This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. and welcome to a special Friday episode of Women Who Travel brought to you by Lego. I'm Meredith Carey and with me as always is my co-host Lale Arakoglu. Hello. Because of everything that's happened this year, most of us have a lot more vacation days to use up before December 31st than we usually would. So this episode, we're talking all about how to make the most of our downtime when we're not going anywhere or at least anywhere far. We're tapping someone who seems to have cracked the code on how to find joyful moments in everyday life. Joining us today from Hastings is illustrator Nina Cosford to chat about making every moment away from our computers actually feel like a vacation. So thanks for joining us, Nina. Oh, thanks for having me. So, Nina, I expect as an illustrator and as someone who works for themselves, you are pretty familiar with working from home and have done so from before 2020. So I wanted to kick things off by asking how you draw a line between your workspace and your personal space when you're mostly operating out of the same place all the time. Um, I like the pun there of drawing a line, literally and uh, <laughs> metaphorically. Um, yeah, it's, it is actually something that has been tricky this year, uh, working from home, because I actually uh, rent a studio and work outside of where I live and I've been doing that uh, for the past sort of eight years. So it kind of is a bit like a step backwards working from home again. It reminds me of when I just graduated from uni and um, was very much like starting out, working in my bedroom, a desk at the end of my bed, everything in very close quarters. So in a way, it's kind of felt a bit regressive going back to that during lockdown. Um, so it's been a bit of an adjustment trying to still feel that level of professionalism, but also trying to give myself a bit of a break and taking that opportunity to actually slow down a bit and maybe not work at such a a kind of high performing rate that I often feel I should be working at. And I guess to help draw some kind of line or make some kind of boundary, I try to build as much of a routine as I can if I am working from home. So that means getting up, making sure I have a decent breakfast, have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, doing those kind of like little rituals and trying to do that every day so that I'm almost programming myself into, okay, I'm getting a rhythm here, I'm getting into my work mode and then work begins sort of late morning. I think it is really, really important to have 
a designated work space in your home if you're working from home um a decent chair that's good for your back um and just just sort of somewhere where you can physically be and just switch like that into work mode as much as possible but also I think it's really important to give yourself a bit of a break and to be okay with the fact that you're not in your usual professional environment therefore you're not going to feel as professional as you would normally in the same way that doing video calls people can actually see your home rather than your studio your office you are kind of opening up another bit of your world and I think there's something very democratic about what's been going on in that everyone's been in this situation everyone can see each other's messy kitchens or living rooms or screaming toddlers or or dogs barking in the background or you know piles of crap behind them like I've got now (laughs) but it's you know I think at the same time it's okay not to be able to draw that line that clearly um and I think it's quite good to just give yourself a bit of a break at the moment because these aren't usual circumstances and also try and get outside like even just for 10 minutes like pop into the garden or go for a walk that just helped so much because I think I took for granted the walk to work and walk back from work that I was getting every day Um, I'm lucky that it's only a 10, 15 minute walk to my studio from my home. So it's like, it's quite a nice leisurely walk in. And it's just having that time to warm up and warm down and just to have that breathing space and get that fresh air. It helps you decompress. And when you're working from home, you haven't got that. It's the same with when you're on a video call. Or I had to do a lecture the other day to some university students and um, that was online and it was it was the first time I'd ever done anything like that. And it was quite a strange experience because, you know, you suddenly you log in, you're live, uh, you've got like 60 students watching you all from home and you can't really see them or hear them. And then at the end, you sort of sign off and you say bye. You haven't got like if I was to do a lecture normally, I would uh, get the train. I would, you know, walk to the uni, I'd check in at reception, I'd have a coffee with the tutors, I'd maybe say hi to some of the students before and after the talk. You've got all these little details that make up your day. That's kind of all gone over this last year. You haven't got those like in-betweens. So you sort of, you snap, you have to snap straight into being on a work call or a Zoom conference or trying to get stuff done and be productive at home. And that has been a bit of a challenge, I think, for a lot of people. So I guess another lesson would be just just trying to allow that, that warm-up time and warm-down time. Try to factor that in, even when you are working from home, because it is kind of essential to coming in and out of that mode. So, yeah, that's that's also something I've tried to tried to develop at home <laughs> a bit. Well, I, a lot of the sketchbooks that you show on Instagram and that you share with us um, through social media really highlight those like in-between moments or like the, you know, like little, the little moments throughout the day and especially like the people watching pages that you share. I would love to know, like, you know, outside of the pandemic, what tips you have for developing that power of observation to just be able to sit and observe? Well, for me, it's like, it's developed from doing observational drawings at university and even before university, I've always been like an observer. As a very young kid, I'd copy artists' work, you know, copy famous pieces of work, try and recreate them. And then going to art school, we learned how to do proper observational drawings. So through life drawing, location drawing, reportage. So going and documenting what's in front of you and looking outwards, very much looking outwards. And 
I still carry that practice with me. I guess the only thing that's changed is I am putting more of my voice into that. As I've grown more confident as a visual artist, I've developed my own sort of signature style and my own kind of commentary. So my own kind of tone, my own humour, the kind of things I look for when I am looking at people or places. So that skill has been like worked at and I'm still working on it now for years and years and years. And it takes just the biggest part of it is just practice and just trying to always be interested in stuff and not even having to try. Sometimes you do if you're having a low day or you might not feel super motivated, especially at the moment. Like it's it's kind of hard to feel those bursts of inspiration where you want to look at stuff and get excited and document and observe. You know, it's been a lot more of an inward kind of time. But then that's one of the main reasons why I love like you're saying, people watching is because it gives that chance to get out of your own head. And as a freelance, self-employed creative, someone who runs their own business, I'm sure a lot of people will relate to this, but I spend so much time absorbing, analysing, overanalyzing, internalising, <laughs> just so much, so much going on in the self and so much tied up with the ego and all of this, that looking outwards, having a sketchbook, doing observational drawings, it just allows you to sort of just look outward and drop who you are for a bit and watch what other people are doing. Look at what they're wearing. Where are they going? What are they saying? How are they feeling? You've got all these questions in your head. And, you know, that's a massive reason why, you know, my work fits in hand in hand with traveling is because it not only for work, but also just for my myself personally it's an amazing opportunity to have that outward perspective and to step back step out of yourself and explore what else is out there so I think having a journal having a sketchbook is so crucial for that for me anyway you know a lot of your work stems from experiences traveling and the observations that you've made in different countries around the world and so I kind of want to ask a two-pronged question which is first um, what are some of the cities that you've been kind of looking back to through your drawings and trying to connect with while you've been stuck at home? And then also, have you noticed yourself being drawn to make different observations and sketch different things when you're people watching in Hastings and around the UK now? Oh, they're really good questions. Um, so in answer to the first part, Weirdly, I kind of think London, even though it's the closest city to me, it's the city I've known the longest. It's probably one of the places I've taken for granted the most because I don't live in London, but I only live an hour and a half away. And it's I've always been quite near to it and in and out and quite frequently visiting London. And it's always been there and I really miss it. I really miss just sitting in coffee shops and watching people and seeing culture and seeing trends and seeing people busy and doing things and mixing together I I miss that so much um and I think that's where I've done some of my best drawings of people is in London places like Granary Square and near the art schools um art students are just an endless source of inspiration for original outfits and and obviously I haven't, you know, I haven't had access to these places, these kind of events, these kind of settings this year. So I really do miss that. Um, so I think my subject matter has had to really change 
since the pandemic and I have not been able to travel very much. Um, I haven't even been able to hang out much in my hometown because places have, you know, limited capacities. People, are, you know, there's restrictions. People aren't going out as much. People haven't got that sort of leisurely part of their lives as much as they had before, myself included. Right in the middle of lockdown, this started to really get to me. I was, I was really, really missing just seeing people. I just wanted to see people and... I wasn't. I was stuck in my home, you know, just staring out the window. And I live on a hill, so I could see lots of rooftops and lots of stuff down there, but I couldn't see anything that close to me. So I started um, going for walks, trying to go out maybe once a day or every couple of days I'd go out for a walk. And I made a point to explore the roads near to my house that I've never been down before. And it was fascinating, actually, because I would never have had a reason to travel that way. I, was, I didn't have a destination in mind. I didn't even use maps on my phone. I just walked and eventually made a circuit and came home. And I took out a really small sketchbook with me and I just drew buildings. And I did that for about two, two or three hours when it wasn't raining. I just stopped whenever I saw a building that interested me. I just drew it really simply, really simple line drawings. And it made me realise there's always going to be something to draw or something to be interested in. It can be super close to you. And I think I've always just presumed that travelling was the way I could explore these places and new things. But really, it can be right on your doorstep if you look for it. You just have to be looking for it and be open to it. So yeah, my subject matter definitely changed um, in that respect, in terms of observational drawings, out and about, drawing in my sketchbook on the spot, which is what I love to do um, normally. Um, so less people, more looking at homes. And because everyone was stuck at home, it kind of had this resonance to it. So like drawing homes, knowing there's people inside and there's something kind of comforting about it. And I was on one main road one day and drawing a house and a lady came out the front door and shouted across the road to me, what are you writing? What are you doing? <laughs> and I just said, she looked like, I don't know, I think she thought I was some kind of warden. I was taking a number plate. I was taking notes on her house. And I just said, don't worry, I'm just sketching. I'm just sketching the building. It's fine. And she was like, oh, okay, okay, fine. And went back inside. I guess I did look quite strange walking around with like this tiny little notepad, like detective style, <laughs> like a detective with my pen and paper, you know, hiding away near the bushes. But it was just nice exploring a different subject matter. Join me, Esther Perel, every Monday in my office on Where Should We Begin? I'm talking to couples and individuals about love and work about turning conflict into connection. More than ever, our relationships define the quality of our lives. So let's explore the myriad of relational challenges together. See you Monday. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to level up? For me, it's my hiking boots, which have gotten me over some pretty tough terrain. And I'm not talking about my morning commute on the New York City subway. They've pushed me to go to far-off places like trekking in the remote mountains in Patagonia, wildlife spotting amid the thick rainforest of the Amazon, and climbing through canyons in the Utah desert. 
when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. There's an available panorama glass roof, 33-inch all-terrain tires, and multi-terrain select driving modes. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior means that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium, Apple Card, or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Lale and I have differing opinions on how to make the most of a day off. I have gotten in the habit of really planning during this time my days off so that I feel not necessarily productive, but like I have like, you know, things to look forward to at every hour of the day. And I think, Lale, you've leaned more into kind of the the wander. Um I'm not a planner. It, it, it just <laughs> reflects how I, like, when I'm actually on holiday and travelling, I also, like, don't plan that much for my days when I'm abroad. So it really, I'm just, I'm just not a planner. Um, but I would love to know how factoring in these, these two or three hour sketch walks, um, how you have been able to plan days off or not plan days off um, to make them feel like a proper break from work and everything that's going on? I am usually quite a planner. I like to differentiate and compartmentalize as much as I can. But I often find that the really interesting stuff happens when I don't plan it. So I've got like two different sides of me. Part of me is a, um, I I won't say control freak, but um, I like structure. I like routine. I like to plot things. Also, I'm totally that person. Before I've even set off on a trip, I will already plan an itinerary and know exactly where to go on what day. I am that person. But at the same time, um, with my work, being freelance, the nature of being freelance is quite sort of not anti-routine, but it's not always got a routine. And there is a certain openness um, and flexibility and adaptability that's required with the nature of my work and how I work. So I've got these sort of two conflicting parts of me that I'm constantly trying to balance. So I think there's no right or wrong answer. I think it's to do with listening to what kind of mode you're in at that time. Um, There'd be days where I would really feel the need for structure. So that day, I would try and make a bit of a plan for that day and set mini tasks. And by tasks, I don't just mean work really simple things like I even write on my to-do list make a cup of coffee and then some days like the days I did the sketch walk like you said that's a really good term for it because it's exactly what it is I didn't really have a plan it was a lot more spontaneous and that for me is like almost the creative part of my brain that just is open and absorbent and also outward looking and spontaneous so 
yeah, I don't think you have to fit into, I don't think, some people are definitely one or the other. There's someone who's either in work mode or they're not in work mode, day off, day on, whatever. But for me, I think it can be, it can be totally fluid and it can be both modes in both days. I can be both modes in like the space of five minutes, but I think it's just allowing yourself to slip into what mode you feel is right for that time and that day and be able to adjust accordingly. And, you know, you can't always force yourself to be super laid back and chilled and open in the same way you can't, sometimes you just can't find your groove. You just can't slip into that professionalism and that that sort of level of productivity that you might be used to, especially with the circumstances at the moment and lately. So I think as long as you can navigate both those modes accordingly, I think I think you can find a balance or as close to a balance as reasonable at the moment. Just as a freelancer and as someone who is entirely in charge of your own schedule, you are your own HR manager, how do you give yourself permission to take personal days, vacation days, when you aren't don't necessarily have a big trip planned like this year? It's tricky at the moment because there aren't solid plans. Even if you have got a plan to go somewhere or do something, everything is so touch and go at the moment that it's hard to bet on anything. And it's hard not to put too much hope um, into these things that are on the agenda. But I think it's really important to give yourself permission to take time off, whether it's an hour in your morning or a whole day or a whole week. You might just say, do you know what? I'm going to take a break for two weeks because I need this time. You've got to listen to your body and there's only one of you. And that's true in any area of life, but particularly true when you're self-employed and you're your own boss. There is only one of you. And a lot of the parts of my job are not, I'm not able to delegate that. So if, you know, if something's up with me, there's something up with the work or I can't do it if, you know, that's just it. And as I'm getting older, I've definitely learned to listen to that more, that kind of um, intuition, which says I'm feeling close to being burnt out or I'm exhausted or I'm really low. You know, those times are going to come. They come and go like everything. But something I've learned is or been thinking about lately is that there will always be inspiration to be found there will always be jobs to be done. It's not finite, but your energy is. You are finite. There's only so much you can do. There's only so much you can produce and perform. And that's what you've really got to listen to because there's always going to be stuff to be done. There's always going to be jobs. There's always going to be excitement and impulses and triggers and reactions and content to make. But there's only going to be so much energy and time to do that. And it's just about listening to yourself and like what your instincts are telling you to do. That's in terms of rest. But I guess taking a holiday day is a bit different. It's actually giving yourself permission to take time off just for the sake of taking time off. Not even for health or rest. You might just want to step back. But I think whatever your circumstances are, whatever your reasons are, I think it's important just to be a bit kind to yourself at the moment, now more than ever, and to say, I'm going to take this time for me. And it's actually going to benefit what I do. It's going to benefit me in the long run. And it, you, you want to get to a place where you're looking forward to working again. You, you actually want to get back, out, back on it. And having that like urge again, I think it's really, really important. That's a really um, important part of 
sustaining what you do and caring for yourself without feeling like you're being too self-indulgent because it's not at all everyone needs to rest you know it happens in nature it happens in the seasons there's a time for everything um and I think it's important to recognize that and just go with it and allow it and I love that because it's a lesson that we can take well beyond this pandemic and this year and it should be applied at all times indeed yeah we keep coming back to it but I love I love this concept of a sketch walk and it feels like such a wonderful way to log off from any technology and kind of feel a little bit more present and simultaneously switched off but I also think that you know people who maybe are considering starting to journal and sketch for the first time it can be quite intimidating if you are not a trained artist and you do not consider yourself someone who is experienced in a like in quotes like craft how would you encourage people to get over the hump and the sort of self-consciousness of opening up a sketchbook and going for a walk I think the key word there is self-consciousness and that's the biggest put off to a lot of people Um, even creatives who are very confidently creative the idea of going out outdoors and drawing in public places that that can be a big hump to overcome there's no set answer for this really but I, I do think that practice is a huge huge part and I'll always say that about most parts of my job it's just come about through practicing and to and really honing in on what interests you I think that's probably the best starting point is to try and pinpoint things to look for and that can be you know like themes that you might go out looking for it might be colors you might search for colors you might look at people's front doors you might try to look for trends or what people are wearing styles windows cars like you can sort of set a theme before setting off and when you're looking for something it's amazing how much of it is there it I can't really describe it it's like if you have something in your head like say you okay I'm going to focus on the color blue today you take your journal you go out you bring a blue pen with you it'll be it's amazing how many blue things will stand out to you and jump out to you because you're looking for it and that also helps narrow down the concept of observing and sketching and and collecting because otherwise you don't know where to begin it's almost too overwhelming if you go if you step outside of your front door and say i'm going to document the world today that's impossible and that's so daunting and it's so unrealistic to think you know you can capture that much um i think like you were saying about logging off and you know not not having too much screen time that was super important when I was going out on these walks, I made a point not to get my phone out. And I so like, not like me, I'm usually snapping away, like trying to capture everything. And if I draw something, I want to film myself drawing it and take a photo of it. And because that's content, it's all usable. It's all shareable. I always want to share stuff. And that's partly why social media is so good for me and my work. And I love it. But, you know, the, the flip side of that is that you're constantly logged in you're constantly tuned in to looking at everything through an audience's eyes. And as useful and fun and inspiring and motivating as that can be, it can be really exhausting because you're sort of, you're kind of not losing touch with yourself, but you are constantly switched on 
and you feel like you're performing, you feel like you're you're non-stop trying to provide and it's also linking back to your ego a lot because it's just all about you recording this thing, you sharing this thing, you drawing this thing. So I think it's really nice to drop that level of self-consciousness when possible and to just go and, like you said earlier, just be in the moment and just look at something for what it is and just draw something or you don't even have to draw. Like It's just about documenting in one way. You might write a series of words. You might go out on a walk and just write words that come across you, come into your head or you might do like a treasure hunt. You might write a list of things you want to find it's it's really undefined how you use a journal. I just like using it in an illustrative way because I'm an illustrator. But I think anyone can use a journal for anything. You can use it to literally think on paper. You can use it to write lists and understand something that's puzzling you. You can collect words or quotes. You can listen to conversations and you can draw, you can paint, you can use it as a scrapbook you can collect things I think there's no sort of finite way to use it but I think the biggest thing is to is to just use it don't think about it just just try and use it for the sake of using it don't worry about sharing it don't worry about it looking pretty that can all come later if you're proud of something you can always share it later but that's not the point of a journal it's for yourself it's a process in itself so I think just enjoy the process just get out there don't overthink it just go out there and look. And yeah, there was a really nice quote I read in um, an article the other day about a bird watcher who's based in London. And he said, when I leave my house, I expect to see everything and nothing. And I just thought that's such a great attitude of of observing anything, whether you're hunting for something or you're you know, you're going around a flea market or you're going shopping or you're going bird watching or whatever, or people watching. It's it's really good to just have that openness to go with whatever you come across, even if you come across nothing. It's just having that outward look and that sort of openness to what is out in the world that's outside of yourself. I think it's a really refreshing process, I think, for me anyway. That feels like a absolutely perfect place to wrap up. So if people want to follow you and your art and potentially sketchwalks, um, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, so my main channel where I post my work is Instagram and you can find me at Nina Cosford. I'm on there. I do sketchbook tours every Saturday at the moment and I started this back in March and it's something that I'm trying to keep up for as long as possible where I revisit old work and old journals and old sketchbooks and I kind of talk through them. It's a nice weekly thing that I can do and I often upload stories of whatever I'm up to and share my latest work on there. So yeah, have a look. It will be linked in the show notes and you can find me at Oh Hey There Mayor. And me at Lale Hannah. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter and follow Women Who Travel on Instagram. Both of those things will also be linked in the show notes. And for the final time, at least for this year, please take your vacation days. This is your reminder to talk to your manager right now. We'll talk to you next week. Ever wanted to go inside the Met Gala? I'm Cho Minardi, and this week on The Run Through Vogue, we take you inside the world's most exclusive and glamorous party. We'll talk about the best looks from the red carpet and everything that happened after. Listen to The Run Through Vogue wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love and want are checked by experts, not just any experts, They're real people who really love these things. And they have real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, you can shop with confidence. Knowing every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified real and authentic. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, slip on that watch, light up in gold, swing that handbag or step out in that streetwear, you'll get that authentic glow. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.